0: Welcome to Indisputable. I'm not a doctor, but I'm in for one today. Dr. Rashad Ritchie has the day off. He's earned it. My name is Sharon Reed, and I'm super excited. She brings the energy, the knowledge, the proper uh, and unique sometimes point of view, Rayvana. And I just like the name too. It's a beautiful name. Uh, She is our guest co-host today, and we couldn't be more excited. Rebel HQ contributor, Uh, thank you for joining us. We will jump right into it uh, because there's news, big news, depending on who you are. Jim Jordan endorsed by former president to be speaker. Is this the next speaker of the House? Third in line to the president? Well, we'll see. Speaker of the House, a position open after Kevin McCarthy, was ousted by Republicans and Democrats. Who are these people just blaming it all on the Democrats? Okay, now Republicans are throwing their hat in the race, watch. You need someone who can unite the conference, and I think just as importantly, unite the conservative and Republican movement across this country. Uh, That's what I think I can do. That's why I'm running for the job. I like the job I had. Uh, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Chairman of the Select Committee on the Weaponization of Government doing the work there. But I do think we have to have someone who can bring our team together. I think I'm best equipped to do that. The eight people who voted in a way that I I disagreed with, we gotta bring them into the fold. I think I'm best equipped to do that so that we can then go do the things we told the American people we would do for them. So Republican Jim Jordan just got uh, an endorsement, if you will, the endorsement some are saying of his lifetime. Who would you want to endorse you? Someone credible, someone strong, someone people believe in beyond reproach. They weren't available. So let's throw it up on the screen. This is who endorsed him late last night via truth. So I'll get through it one day without laughing. From none other than former President Donald Trump. Congressman Jim Jordan has been a star, all caps, the trademark there, long before making his very successful journey to Washington, D.C., representing Ohio's fourth congressional district. Yada, 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 Ba ba ba. Jim, his wife, Polly, and family are outstanding. He will be great, all caps. Um, you can find it if you really want. Did you want me to read through the whole thing? He's endorsing him, and uh, that's really the only part. Maybe you need to know. Jim Jordan, though, um, is everything. As we said to him, he was pretty relieved. Look, I appreciate the president's endorsement. He's the leader of the party. He's going to be our, our our presidential nominee, and I think he's going to be our next president. So I appreciate that. Um, but we're focused also on you know the key thing is our our colleagues, and I'm talking with. Um, You know, We got from from Freedom Caucus to people in the middle to to committee chairs to Jeff Van Drew, who was Democrat four years ago. We got all kinds of across the board support, and we're just going to keep working. Okay, so there you hear the comments by the man who wants to become the next Speaker of the House. Jim Jordan has been treading carefully because MAGA Republicans, they're really hoping for someone else with a spray tan, and that would be Donald Trump. They wanted Donald Trump to become Speaker of the House. So he has to kind of move easily here. Of course, um, Jim didn't want to upset those folks. Jordan's not the only candidate. Steve Scalise, also running. Can he make it without a Trump endorsement? That That is key. Trump himself was nominated by Congressman Troy E. Nelson. Kevin McCarthy will not be running again as Speaker. I nominated Donald J. Trump for Speaker of the House. Uh, he did change his tone, though, after Trump told him he was going to be endorsing Jim Jordan, probably because Trump uh, thinks the Speaker position is beneath him. And I don't believe it comes with pardon power. You can correct me, Ravana, if I'm wrong. If you're the Speaker of the House, can you pardon anyone? Yeah, no. She's indicating no. <laughs> the Congressman uh, says, I just had a nice, Great conversation, President Trump, about the speaker's race. He is endorsing Jim Jordan, and I believe Congress should listen to the leader of our party. Fully support Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House. Ten minutes ago, you you were supporting former president, but whatever, Rivana, This is um, interesting. This thing between Scalise, he's moving more quietly. He's kind of working back channels, and I don't I don't know how much traction. I'd like to know your gut on whether he. He can pull it off without, you know, the former president saying, this is who I want. And then it's just like you're anointed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to... I'm going to frame this as an internal struggle between the establishment wing of the Republican Party and the Trump wing of the Republican Party. But I want to be clear that that there isn't a meaningful difference between those two wings as far as policy goes. And by no stretch of the imagination is Steve Scalise or should he be considered a moderate Republican? This is someone who has time and time again been described as David Duke without the baggage. He he is just as radical as someone like Jim Jordan, although, you know, he doesn't have that history of covering up sexual abuse while he was working at a, a university. Jim Jordan does have that. But what you're seeing here is the Republican establishment backing Steve Scalise, the Kevin McCarthy supporters, which there are more of them than there were uh, the, the eight members that voted against him. But the supporters are sort of falling in line behind Steve Scalise. He was the uh, or still is. Uh, the House uh, majority leader. So theoretically, he's next in line to be ordained Speaker of the House, whereas Jim Jordan, although he is in party leadership, uh, hasn't served as long as Steve Scalise doesn't have that the same connection, the same uh, career as an establishment member that, uh, that Steve Scalise has. Um, I think that Steve Scalise is still ultimately going to end up successful. I think that he has a better reputation than Jim Jordan does, although, you know, a better reputation amongst the Republican Party. What does that really mean? Oh. <laughs> it's nothing phenomenal. Um, and I, I think that particularly because the speaker is someone who has to be very careful in their actions and in their decisions moving towards 2024 because the Republicans are facing a lot of tough re-elections for their house members particularly as we're seeing state Supreme courts shoot down the racist gerrymandering that helped the Republicans pick up these seats and take control of the house in the first place um which I think that is someone like Matt Gates or even someone like Jim Jordan Can't consider that because they have a very rabid, you know, they they're representing plus 16 R districts, you know, they're they're not considering what someone in the leadership what the party establishment is going to want a speaker to consider I think ultimately. You know, the Trump I mean, they're all the Trump wing of the party at this point. But, you know, those the the Matt Gates wing of the party, to be more specific, has been able to successfully stage this some this small coup over or over Kevin McCarthy. But I think ultimately what we're going to see here is the establishment is still is still going to get the person in place they want Um even if that's not necessarily who Trump is endorsing um but we'll just have to see how it plays out because we've we've seen how influential Trump is he has this party he's a tight grip on this party they will do his bidding time and time again even Kevin McCarthy who was <laughs> ousted for not being sufficiently loyal to Trump was at every step of the way doing Trump's bidding
0: yeah and so i wonder What's really going to change here? You know, it doesn't seem like, and you made the point eloquently that much is going to change here. I know it won't be a fair fight. So that we can, I mean, is politics really fair? But this would be extra dirty behind the scenes. So I don't know if Scalise is going to squeak it out. But like you said, mm-hmm, Gordon, Scalise, McCarthy, whatever. Uh, I think that this thing where you blame the and by the way, if it is, Representative Jordan, and he becomes Speaker of the House. If I'm Representative Jeffries, the minority leader, first thing I would do is, is move for hearings on, I don't know, um, sexual abuse of wrestlers in college. And then I'd randomly pick a college like Ohio State. And I, I just wanna study it, it's a real issue. And hopefully no one would object to that. We just all wanna get to the bottom of it, is it fair? To blame, this is a residual from the ouster, Democrats for not doing more to keep Kevin McCarthy propped up.
1: It is a fascinating argument that I've seen a lot of the Kevin McCarthy backers make on cable news because Kevin McCarthy, by all reports, didn't even ask for their help. He refused to humble himself to ask the party that he has been shaming throughout the media, shaming on the floor of the House time and time again. But he knew that he needed them. But he was too proud a man to go ask for them to make a deal for him. And to be honest, I don't know if they would have, because yeah. Kevin McCarthy is, is a radical um, anti-democratic Republican. He voted not to certify election results coming out of Arizona. He attempted to overthrow democracy as we know it in our country. Oh, bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he didn't try to make the deal in the first place. So I really don't think it's fair for any of these Republicans to blame the Democrats when, you know, they didn't even ask. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he didn't ask. And the other part of it is he lies all the time. You know, I, I can't remember. <laughs> this just means I'm getting old. The word that you used for it a couple seconds ago, but he lied again and again and again. So even if they said, you know what, you smell horrible. I don't even want to stand next to you, but I'll work with you if we can work out this thing. I really need to get this done. There's no, there's no way he would have done it. Mm-hmm. He's reneged on deal after deal. And so what are they supposed to do with that? Okay, he was in it for himself. And now he's, well, he's not in the speaker's chair anymore. Does that mean he has to give up that gavel? Does the gavel go with the position, Rivana? Or does. does each one get their, oh, okay. I thought like that's part of your deal. Like he keep the gavel forever. Uh, but no, he doesn't even get the gavel. And he was only there for a short time. So it is what it is. Astra by your name. off-duty cop kills two Marines in a car crash. Very violent one. Families of two U.S. Marines killed in a car crash last year, James Patton and Samantha Berrios are still calling for the prosecution of Michael Michon, the off-duty deputy who fell asleep on the wheel while going 90 miles per hour. Crash happened on Patton's birthday weekend after he'd been coming home from a hip-hop show in Los Angeles. Driver hit a median uh, wall on the freeway. The car was too damaged to drive. Patton and his two friends got out to call a tow truck. Patton and Samantha Barrios got back in the vehicle because it was cold outside. Just devastating. When you look at their pictures. Ten minutes later, the car was still sitting in the high occupancy lane with the lights off at three forty-eight a.m. When records say. Michione plowed into them with his Chevy truck. 26-year-old deputy had just gotten off work at 3 a.m. According to the report, was driving about 90 miles per hour, more than 30 miles over the limit in a construction zone. The LA Times with the reporting. When a highway patrol sergeant later asked him what happened, Michione said, I fell asleep, I fell asleep. Last thing he remembered before nodding off, according to the report, was getting on the freeway from State Route 91. Now, in the long year that it took California Highway Patrol to file an accident report, a year. And the wait for them to tell reporters about the deaths, Michael Patton, father of Jim's Patton, says it felt like they were saying his son's life and Samantha's did not matter. In the meantime, both families filed lawsuits against the deputy, L.A. County, and others. The loss of any life is a tragedy, not only for the victim's family, but for the entire community that loved them. Kimberly Ed, spokeswoman for the district attorney's office, wrote in a statement to the Times on Thursday. One of our veteran homicide prosecutors is carefully reviewing the facts of the case to determine what criminal charges can be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Hmm. We're hoping to see that the district attorney does prosecute and that he does end up doing some time. Told the Times the police are not above the law. I know that the deputy didn't leave his house thinking, I want to kill these Marines, Nancy Berrios said. It was a mistake, but there are consequences for a mistake, she continued. In my heart, I know he didn't mean to, but these are our children. In a statement Monday, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department said it was aware of the tragic accident involving an off-duty deputy. We will continue to monitor the investigation, the department said. I guess react to this, Ravana. It's um, horrific. You see these young people with so much living to do who clearly died so violently. Um, Just horrific. And to learn that someone is speeding at that rate and saying, uttering the report and said, we believe the report that they fell asleep. It's just too much to take for a mother, a father, a family of these two loved ones.
1: It is absolutely devastating. Uh, I don't enjoy the framing of it by the police department that called it a tragic accident. It was avoidable entirely. And I think that they're diminishing what happened here by referring to it in that way. Um, as someone who has a sleep disorder that prevents me from legally driving, I just want to remind everybody uh, that if you <laughs> feel tired while you're behind the wheel, pull over, take a nap. because you know, it could be your life. It could be the lives of others. It could be serious bodily injury. It's not worth it. Just take a nap in your car, sleep it off, and then drive home a little bit later. It's not worth it. Uh, and then just to that end, this there are plenty of crimes he could be charged with. Uh, if he wasn't a cop, he would have been charged already. I mean, this is, he admitted he fell asleep. This is an open and shut case. You charge him uh, with manslaughter or reckless homicide, reckless driving. There's any th- number of things he could be charged with. And the only reason he hasn't yet is because he's being protected because he is a police officer. And these families are so, so right to be demanding justice right now. And I, you know, I really feel for the family member who said, we know he didn't intend to do it, but there's, he still needs to be held accountable. And she's absolutely right. And if he were anyone else, he would have been already. And they need to keep that pressure on. We need to keep this pressure on because they deserve to be alive right now. And there's nothing that can be done to bring them back. But at least the families can be at peace knowing some justice has been served in this case, or at least that that the, they're attempting to serve justice because they don't even have that reassurance right now. It doesn't even look like for them or from from where I'm sitting that anything is going to happen it seems like they're putting this on the back burner until attention dies down so that they can sweep it under the rug and we see that so often with these police departments protecting their own or you know well connected members of their community um so attention needs to be continuously put on this until they file charges
0: i think you're absolutely right the next worst thing to losing your son, your daughter, brother, sister, someone you, you love dearly and don't want to be without, is realizing that the person who is responsible for their deaths is in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. This is a story we report time and time again. And what I just said is factual. It's not an opinion. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. And it's not bashing police. It's a fact that we report time and time again There's all this weird stuff that seems to go on or never happens in investigations involving law enforcement. So the family is right to demand justice, to ask questions. We're right to cover it from that that angle. It's a factual thing. And I just hurt for them because if you can't get your loved one back, you at least want to know they didn't. Well, you want to know they mattered. You want to know they mattered in some small way. And this would be a small way, okay? You don't get to hug them. You don't get to hear an answer back when you tell them you love them anymore. But it just seems like the empathy is not there unless, and we know people like this, something happens to me. And too often it seems that law enforcement is very protective of their own. And not of everyone else. Not not with the same vigor anyway. We'll keep following that story. Um, break your heart.
2: Officers, shoot a
0: man in a rental car. What happened here? Indianapolis. Officers, Alexander, Gregory, Carl Chandler, who shot at Indianapolis man 30 times as he slept in a rental car. In his grandmother's driveway, plead not guilty. Cops charged with shooting a man who was sleeping in a car outside his grandmother's residence. I plead not guilty. On December 31, 2022, 24-year-old Anthony McLean was sleeping in a red rental car when he was met with more than two dozen shots from Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Officers. His grandmother, identified as Vicki Driver, called the police early that morning at about 4 a.m. to report a car that was running in her driveway, as she wasn't certain of who was inside. According to an incident video, the 911 call the driver noted that she was unsure if one of her children was inside the car. Atlanta Black Star with the details here. When officers responded, they discovered a man with a handgun in his lap. Body cam footage shows the officers approach the vehicle, peek through the window, stating that they see the weapon. When they tried to open the door to grab the gun, they found it to be locked. After learning that the car was registered in Florida, an officer asked the driver if she had any grandchildren. Asked driver, rather, the grandmother. If she had any grandchildren living there, which she declined. It's a rental car, right? She uh, says, No, I don't care kids living in Florida. You can see the layers here, okay? That's why protocol is so important, okay? During the incident, according to the video, one of the officers knocked on the car window and shouted police multiple times. Seconds later, the cops fired their weapons. That's my grandson driver, said, Get out of the car, the officers demanded, get on the ground. Macklin complied, laid on the ground, was handcuffed by officers. He tells the officers that he was hit. Officers Called first responders and tried to provide medical aid on the scene. How come you didn't come in the house? Driver asked. I didn't want to wake guys up. Didn't want to wake his grandparents up. Shooting left him with severe injuries, an extended hospital stay, mounting medical debt. Macklin and his grandmother filed a lawsuit against the officers, the police chief, the city, seeking damages. Officers let off at least 30 shots that morning, and he was hit three times. Three officers, Alexander Gregory, Carl Chandler, Lucas Riley, were present during the incident. However, only Gregory and Chandler face battery and criminal recklessness related charges. Macklin reportedly has roughly one million in medical debt and sustained injuries such as a collapsed right lung, a grade four liver injury, and a grade four kidney injury. Very serious implications for a lifetime of pain and perhaps more. Gregory and Chandler pleaded not guilty on Monday. So this seems like he's lucky to be alive, Ravana. It seems like there were a series of errors that you can't perhaps fault anyone for. The grandson doesn't want to wake up his grandparents, leaves the car on. Then starts to maybe worry, it's dark about his safety, has that gun on his lap. The grandmother is curious about who's in her driveway. And no, I don't know anyone in Florida. I don't know why the police, I know why perhaps they approached and peered in. When you see a subject sleeping, do you know how many times even my 11 year old creeps into my room because she knows? And she goes, mommy, I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> That's what people do when you suddenly startle them. You wake them out of that REM sleep. Once they see the gun, I mean, I'm not trained. Maybe you can correct me, and I'm happy and open to it, Rivana. But don't they have those bullhorns? Police come out. Like, can't you take cover? Can't you do something? Mm-hmm. Other than try to open the door. You know, you're going to startle somebody and then open 30 rounds. I'm surprised they didn't hit each other, which by the way has happened in the past. Your turn.
1: Uh, you're absolutely right. There, there was no immediate risk to the the lives of the officers or the grandmother, whoever they were supposed to be protecting at that moment for that matter. They absolutely could have walked back into their vehicles you know, gone on their loudspeakers that they have and asked the man to step out of the vehicle with his hands up. And, you know, it still might've been overkill for what the situation actually was, but at least in that case, nobody would have suffered serious bodily injury. I mean, you're exactly right. He's very much lucky to be alive. Uh, and and the way that these, of- <laughs> it was saved only apparently by these officers, uh, n- not exact aim, When they sprayed 30 rounds into the vehicle, um, you know, by the grace of God or, you know, whoever you happen to believe in, he he survived, but you're right. He's going to have disabilities. He's going to have to deal with for the rest of his life. And as someone who works in disability law, someone who's disabled, that is absolutely expensive. So that million dollars uh, in medical fees is just the jumping off point. There's going to be things that he's going to have to do differently for the rest of his life, you know, changes he's going to have to make that are going to be costly. And these officers absolutely should be held responsible for what they did. You know, we're in the early stages of this case. So them pleading not guilty isn't surprising, Um, but we'll, you know, have to keep an eye on how this develops. And, you know, it's so devastating particularly you know for him and for the grandmother who you know you're right she's not at fault for for being concerned about this car in her driveway she didn't recognize but she's going to have to carry this guilt with her now (laughs) when the blame should be placed squarely on these officers who went against protocol who you know and I think it's important to point out that if this, I'm sorry, if this was a white man who had a gun in his lap, they would be defensive of his right to own a gun. It'd be the second amendment. We would be celebrating that, you know, there's no, in fact, there's evidence that this is gun was legally his. I remember the first time around when we covered the story, it was his gun. He bought it legally. He wasn't a threat to anybody. Um, but the right to bear arms apparently only applies to white Americans and cops in this country. And, and if you are a, a black or Brown gun owner, then that is a justification to murder you on the spot in the eyes of the cops.
0: Yeah. It it probably is time to have two versions of the constitution. Okay, Bill of Rights. We need two set sets of documents. One for the people the Constitution was intended for, white people. White men first, and then the the new. What's the Bible has then the new book? Oh, oh, okay, Testament. Yeah, I do. My, my daughter said, "I said, should we go to church?" And been my personal relationship. Okay, and she said, "I, I don't think so, mommy. <laughs> we'll revisit that." But I should at least know that. It just the word escaped me. They should have another constitution for black and brown people, so we could stop telling. <laughs> certain people that they have a right to own a gun when they might be able to get their hands on it, but the rules are going to apply differently. And my question is this, if the protocol for police departments, I mean, it's a shoot to kill protocol whenever a perp or a would-be perp displays has, is next to uh, in sight of a gun. Why the hell do we have so many guns in If this is what we if every time somebody who even legally owns a gun is going to be shot and killed or 30 rounds blaring at them, and you're right, they weren't even good shot. So they've got to go back to the academy anyway. But if that's if that's the protocol, we shoot center mass, shoot to kill, la la la, then we can't have then no one should have guns. At least not just say black people, you should not be owning a gun, even legally. Because this is the end result. He didn't want to wake his grandparents. And now you're right. A million dollars, $10 million may not, you're right. Get him through a lifetime. I hear kidney, I, I I see dialysis in his future, I hope not. This is a life sentence. And the insurance company is going to take a lot of that money. That's how it works, okay? You don't think you get to keep the money and not pay the bill. It's, you know, it's this is a mess, and it's, um, boy, I feel for that grandmother. You did nothing wrong. Somebody else did, two people did, and perhaps up the chain in the department, but not you, grandma. Much more indisputable when we come right back. I'm Sharon Reed, and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, Rayvana HQ, Rebel HQ, <laughs> contributor extraordinaire she is, and always um, adds that, that flair. That different perspective, little legal sprinkling. So we love her. We just adore her and you've been seeing a lot of her and you can't get enough. Ravana. much more indisputable when we come right back. Welcome back to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I think we should give you some comments. Is that what we're doing right now? Yes, uh, because I know a lot of you have a lot to say about some of the stories um, that were in our first block. Just monster stories, blockbuster stories. And I hope you enjoyed the commentary. Ravana is our special guest co-host today. Uh, we love her. Let's see. TYT members first. I like doing you first. Oh, Tommy Trevarthan says, sticking and staying for indisputable. <laughs> see that doc we're holding down the fort. Mountain Dragon says, you know, it's going to be a good show when you can hear Ray's cute laugh in the background when she can't hold it in. You shouldn't hold it in. Release it. It's not good to hold it in. Oh, thank her. you. She's so wise, but she's just so down to earth. And just, I just want to, it's wrong to say, but I want to pinch her cheek sometimes. She's, <laughs> she's just a sweet lady. And then she comes with the commentary. Uh, Biden flavor, corn pop. Um I think it's you're saying giving me a shout out. It's Sharon, and then there's flames and lightning bolts. Um, so I'm going to take it as that. Okay, I am on fire. Maybe. Uh, let's see. We have YouTube now. Scott Smith says it's hard to get any prosecution for police in these matters, unfortunately, due to qualified immunity. Talking about that Indianapolis case, a grandson just sleeping in his rental car outside grandparents' house didn't want to wake him, and then 30 rounds or or shot. He's got a lifetime of medical bills. He's facing suing. Lori Park says they don't care if you are sleeping in the car. They don't care if you're sleeping on your front porch. You're right. We've covered everything, including sleeping in the bed and someone barges in and you're like, shot dead. Covered that too. I think it was out of Ohio. Cynthia Moon says Trump's endorsement is a kiss of death. Speaking of Jim Jordan, who now has it in his race and his desire to become Speaker of the House. All those he endorsed last time lost. So go on, Donnie, endorse away. Donnie, he wouldn't like that. The Donald, Donald. Duck, not duck. We'll move on now. Uh, speaking of shows, they love to put on one, don't they? I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a you Sunday. You're I feel free, back off.
3: An African-American man my life. Get off! No, get off of my door! Get off of my door! You're get off of my door. Get off my door! Back up! Back up! Back up! Back up! Back up! Back up. Why? Why? Because we black, that's you? What? Yeah. Because we black. Because you jump bit in the neighborhood. That's why. I mean, it's not you, like you, you see this? You see this? If, listen to me. It's all white people, pretty much. So, if I see somebody that's not, that's black, if you see somebody you say that black. You, black, let me say. Right. If you see somebody black, you're going to question them? You're going to question them. you going to open my door. Let me say this. If I was a crazy dude, if I was crazy, something would have happened to your old ass. <laughs> you to me. No, no, no. You listen, listen to me. I'm going to, me. I got a to me. Gun. If I was listen crazy, me. I'd shoot you. Oh, you would shoot me. You-
0: so, this, this bumblebee came buzzing around a car with. Black occupant really believes that, well, he can do what he wants because he's investigating in uniform, okay? Male Karen wearing all yellow, no ray of sunshine. That's appropriate, isn't it? And I want to, before I throw it to you, Ravana. I do want to throw up the picture if we could, because this is, I happen to know this person's in D.C. right now, okay? And so I know it's not this person. I'll give the disclaimer. But if you look closely at the face, I thought this was Mitch McConnell for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. I thought it was striking resemblance. Okay. It's not. What do you make of the, the outfit and the umbrella? If I am investigating someone who could be, you know, up to no good. Perhaps violence. This is he said something about he'd shoot people. Okay, it's his job to investigate. So I'm investigating. I'm going to pull open a car door full of who knows what could be terrorists. Why would I hold? You know, this is Mary Poppins. This is I'm here for something. Mary Poppins. I'm here for something. I didn't understand it. It was a walking contradiction. And oh yeah, kind of racist. That umbrella could only be considered a weapon if it was
1: in the hands of uh, Britney Spears because she knows how to use one against the paparazzi. <laughs> that. Yep. And good for her. And she was right to do it. Um, there is such a level of entitlement here with all these Karens, but we see it perfectly laid out here where he opens this man's door just it inserts himself, you know, all over this guy's property. He has no right to do that. He has no authority to do that. He's deputized himself, mm. uh, police chief of this white neighborhood. And because, it, he wasn't ashamed to admit, you know, he was proud of his racism. He said, Yes, I opened your car door. I accosted you because you're black. It is specifically because of your race. And it's interesting because, you know, and I, I've talked about this at length, but the way that uh, other countries handle their uh, anti-racism laws something like this would be a crime that you could go to jail for mm-hmm. in america the the crime would be you know trespass to property he wasn't allowed to open the guy's car door it's a very small misdemeanor in this case would be you know hard to prove any substantial damage necessarily, but the other than that, what can you do? He he this is racism, it's unfettered, unmitigated, self, self-described a racist act. And you know, if this was France or, you know, the same way in Brazil, you could go to jail for doing something like this in America. We want to protect this because of what? Because that's what this country was founded on. It's important that we protect a uh, racist people's ability to do racism in public and and F up someone's day. Uh, some person who's minding their own business just has to be subjected to this guy's racism because freedom of speech. It's, it's an absurd notion to me that what you are <laughs> inherently putting on a threatening persona, even though you're a little disarming with that umbrella and uh, as you pointed out, bumblebee outfit. Um, but i mean it's still he's threatening to shoot him he, and the man would have been well within his rights to protect himself the man inside the vehicle um the instigator wouldn't be allowed to shoot but of course how would this actually play out if he did pull out a gun he'd probably get the benefit of the doubt so you know it's it's messed up and it just has me reflecting on why do we value as a society protecting the rights of racists to be racist
0: once again, spot on, protecting and promoting, I would argue. I take your, your statements even further, right? Long before Trayvon Martin's killer got off, remember? Snapple, Skittles, talking to my girlfriend, walking home. Someone's stalking you, hunting you, hunting you. Okay? Long before Trayvon, who should be here, was stalked and murdered. My word, mine this has been going on so why wouldn't mr Z, okay no ray of sunshine think that this isn't his job to police and profile black people america says it is his job so he's doing it living up to the billing if we were to grade him you know those those little you know evaluations your boss gives you if america's bossing him a plus A plus at our expense, black and brown people. The pharmacy makes a deadly mistake, gives medication that terminates a pregnancy. Where are the checks and balances? A Nevada woman has been left heartbroken and traumatized after a mistake made by CVS pharmacist. The mistake giving her the wrong medication which ultimately terminated her pregnancy. You see the woman there, Tamika Thomas. Tamika was in the middle of an IVF journey. 2019, Tamika Thomas went to CVS to pick up a vaginal suppository prescribed by her doctor. She was given the medication amid her IVF journey because she was exhausted from continuously injecting her buttocks. It started to take An emotional toll on her. Lana Blackstar with the details here. If you have gone through IVF or know someone who has or seen anything about it, you don't just get an injection and then beautiful babies show up perfect and whole and just nothing to see here. It takes its toll. okay? But it's worth it to people who want to have a family. Okay, to people who perhaps otherwise can't, for whatever reason. their circumstance, their union, their bodies. Mother of four in her 30 started IVF after having trouble getting pregnant. And she and her husband decided to pay for the process out of pocket. She had two embryos implanted into her body. That right there is success, because some people don't get that. Lena a black star end with the details. Now keep in mind, IVF is pretty expensive. Let's look at the charts here. Cost of these fertility treatments. Not everybody can afford it. And even those who can make the sacrifice, it takes a toll on their bank accounts. They have to literally sacrifice other things. Up to 70,000 plus if they use a surrogate. 23,000 per round of IVF. That's what she was doing in order to produce those two embryos. She picked up the medication from a CVS location in Las Vegas. And after taking the medication, she said something fell off. Thomas recalled experiencing really bad cramping. It was extreme. It was painful. Things turned grim when she discovered through her research that she was given abortion medication instead of what her doctor prescribed. Then she realized they just killed my baby. Both my babies because I transferred two embryos. There was a massive error by the technician. Documents related to the incident revealed pharmacy technician made a mishap and submitted the inaccurate name of the medicine. According to the report, the two pharmacists did not catch the error, including one who didn't consult with Thomas about the prescription. Once again, whether it's policing, whether it's medical, when protocols aren't followed, they you can get away with it 99 times out of 100. God forbid you have to get your leg amputated. Do you know why a second set of medical personnel come in to make sure it's the right limb or the left? Because they don't want to make a mistake and take the one they shouldn't. Protocols. Thomas issued a complaint with the Nevada State Board of Pharmacy. Which decided to find the pharmacist and suspend their licenses temporarily. They were also ordered to take education credits and evade disciplinary action for a year. CBS was also given a $10,000 fine. The pharmacist apologized for their error. Nothing else was done for Thomas. This is CBS. Do you know how much money they make? They're not just pharmacies, they're a convenience stores, they're mini clinics now. They're clinics. People go there instead of their other hospital doctor's office. There's mergers. There's the closing of medical institutions. So the CVS, other drug trains can do what they have to do and get paid for it. And they are getting paid. She got nothing but a, and I'm sorry. All I got was a sorry. It will never be good enough. Tamika. Thomas said. This is a difficult one for me, Rivana, but I meant what I said about protocols. I ran track. Ran track in college. There was a protocol to do the handoff in the relay race. There was a protocol about stretching, when to eat, hours before the race, the whole thing. That it's meaningless. It's track and field in the larger scheme of this story. But when you don't follow protocols, things happen. We don't have enough, though, pharmacists, Rivana. You know, there's a shortage. Anytime I go there, they're always helpful to me, except for one lady. Okay. And I'm going to spare you the story. It was very nasty. Okay. Was I asking for too much? Yes. Was I late? Yes. But I needed the medicine. Uh, You know what? You go ahead. React to this. Yeah, I'll just say that this is a
1: devastating story. And I'll just add on, because I think you summarized that so perfectly with needing to follow protocol. It was the hubris of this young technician who thought she knew the generic name for the medication. In reality, she confused two entirely different medications and ruined this woman's progress in her IVF treatment and cost her potentially her two kids. I'll just add that I've seen some conservatives who are using this to say, oh, for liberals, they're babies when you want them and they're fetuses when you don't. But I think what they're failing to recognize is that this woman's right to choose was taken away from her. In this case, she chose to try to have children. The you know the very expensive and oftentimes prohibitively expensive uh, IVF treatments. You know she she made that choice about her body, and the choice she was she made was taken away from her. So I think it's the very same principle that we're fighting for when we're talking about abortion rights. She had a right to choose to have children. She chose that, and CVS took it away from her
0: that's what happened here we wish her the best and um if she chooses to have this journey to embark again um we wish her the best st louis community radioactive waste testing harm harmed in that community St. Louis community is still grappling with the effects of toxic waste dumping from over 60 years ago. The community, now years later, is asking what will be done to undo the damage. Radioactive waste was dumped years ago. Feds didn't protect the community. We've heard that before. you live near Coldwater Creek in St. Louis, Missouri, you have a high chance of getting cancer. Federal Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry has found that people who played in Coldwater Creek or just lived nearby may have higher risk for cancers of the lungs, bones, or leukemia. News Radio 1120 KMOX with the details. Here's why, eight decades after Malincrot Chemical Works first began the dangerous task of processing uranium at a sprawling complex near downtown St. Louis, federal government, is still removing soil from a creek and cleaning up a landfill. Nuclear contamination sites. The AP filling in the reporting. Last year, grade school closed amid worries that contamination from the creek got onto the playground and inside the building. People have felt the effects of the toxic dumping and have suffered because of it. The government paid out millions to former malincrot workers with cancer or their survivors. Many people with rare cancers who grew up near the waste sites believe their illnesses, too, are connected to radiation exposure. Huffington Post, most affected area. One affected area was a, well, this is different, not predominantly black public housing complex called pruitt Igo. Throughout the 1950s and 60s, when the Army was conducting various secret tests related to the creation of the atomic bomb, residents thought the zinc cadmium sulfide sprayed into their community was mist or smoke from chimneys. Now residents want answers and change. Why were black lives deemed disposable? Is St. Louis in America? The community is now calling for an expansion of the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. That act is meant to facilitate health insurance and financial resources to individuals who develop certain illnesses and cancers who lived and worked downwind of testing sites. What occurred and is still occurring, folks, this is still going on. In St. Louis, it's evidence that not enough is done to track how black and brown communities experience environmental racism. And when they do clean it up, you might want to follow the money. First, you contaminate and kill people through their own environments. They'll follow their own. And then somebody gets rich off the cleanup, too, the American way. Rivana, unpack it for us. I'm totally
1: in favor of what the victims are fighting for, which is expanding the uh, compensation act so that they can be, you know, and you'll never be able to undo the damage that is done. There's this myth, this legal myth of making someone whole through providing them, awarding them damages, but you can never make someone whole again. People have lost their lives because of these cancers they've developed because of these uh, uh, environmental factors, these intentionally discharged (laughs) toxins into their uh, communities chosen specifically because they are uh, black and brown working class communities, because these companies think that it's unlikely that the residents of these communities are gonna sue them. They think that they're unlikely to have the resources to do it. Lawyers are unlikely to get interested in a case like this that's not gonna bring them a lot of money. So they intentionally choose these neighborhoods. And I think that it's important to ensure that they get compensation, but it's also important to ensure things like this don't ever happen again. Which is why I think it's important for climate activists to focus on the devastating impact that allowing. Particularly Republicans, but also Democrats who are captured by corporate interests to dismantle the the truly revolutionary legislation we do already have in our environmental protections in uh, the Air and Water Act uh, and and many others. So it, it, we've got to focus on prevention as well as compensating the victims because no one should have to suffer through, you know, these heinous diseases, these cancers that are being. Forced on them just by virtue of them being black, brown, poor, uh, you know, and, and any other, you know, factor that a company might decide means that you're probably not going to sue them.
0: And it's just devastating to me because by the time the dust settles, literally, and you realize that lives have been taken, people are infertile, kids can't learn, brains aren't functioning. Someone has this cancer or this, you know, issue or nerve damage. Unpacking it and getting people to do the right thing is so horrible. We know that people do not have a tendency. Government doesn't automatically get it right and do the right thing. In fact, they push back. Okay, maybe it's the NFL. You've got concussions. And we all know the hit. It's like a car crash, but you want to pretend that I don't qualify for the funds that are set aside. This is what people do, and it is just devastating. Praying that these communities get what they
2: deserve. Much more indisputable when we come right back. The elderly black man.
0: Homeless fatally stabbed. In the UK, Christina Howe was arrested and charged with murder for a stabbing incident which occurred in Bristol, England. According to the Bristol Post, the victim, 61-year-old Hubert Isaac Brown, died at the hospital due to his injuries. The victim was well known in his community. Avon and Somerset Police said their crime investigation unit looking into the incident as a race-related hate crime. Family has been getting support from a local organization, Stand Against Racism and Inequality. Sorry. Brown, who is of Jamaican descent, was described as a kind-hearted and harmless man. And a black star with the reporting here. Statement from the family of the victim. Accepting that he is no longer with us is incredibly challenging. We are struggling to comprehend and come to terms with the circumstances surrounding his passing. Hubert was a beloved member of our community. We want to express our heartfelt gratitude to those who went above and beyond to help him during that time, as well as to the police for their ongoing investigation. His family said this in a statement. As a family, we are supporting one another through this trying period, finding solace into each other's presence and shared memories. Now, we should tell you, according to the police and the reporting, Howe appeared before a Bristol magistrate's court judge on Monday, a video posted on social media said to show her arrest by local law enforcement at the scene of the attack, making people point. I mean, it's just horrific to be accused of this. What happened here? What happened and why, other than what police are preliminarily going on. And quickly, it does seem. So like we said, according to those reports, people pointed her out. And there she is. Doesn't seem that there's much incident with the arrest. Notice the gentle way she's being handled after murdering an elderly Black man while a Black woman falsely accused of evading bus fare was roughed up in front of her dish fraught child. Racism is one hell of a drug. That's from a user, an online user. She does seem to be handled with care. Very gentle. Stabbing Ray is very intimate crime. And one that from the crime documentaries I've watched, at least from what I've been told by detectives during my investigative reporting days, is a clue. The method of the killing is the first clue often to investigators about a rage, a motive. It's the first clue. What do you make of this and this international story here? Because it could very well have happened here, mm-hmm. but we, we're, we don't own all of it. We just are full of it when it comes to racism. It's throughout the world, the globe.
1: It is such a devastating story, and you know, my heart goes out to the family of the victim, goes out to the community that he was an important part of. And I know that some cynical people might, you know, be reading this and they or listening to this rather, and they might think, well, how can you know someone uh, you know who's being described you know as a a homeless man be a Pillar of the community. And I'll just add that there's an unhoused man who lives in my neighborhood who everybody knows in the community. Everyone's friendly with him. You know, uh, we all help him out when we can. And if anything happened to him, my, my neighborhood, and even here in Chicago, where we do have a massive homelessness problem would be reeling from, from, from something like this happening to him. So just, you know, being a, being homeless does not prohibit you in any way, shape or form from being an important member of a community. And you know, just that being said, I, I think it's it is important to point out, as you did, that you know this was a stabbing, which you know they see a little more of it in England, not more than we have here, but you know just because they don't have the same level of gun violence we do, um, but it. I feel like we have to point out the criminalization of poverty and homelessness. It leads people to dehumanize unhoused people, and you know if they have uh, racist tendencies in them already, then. Than to criminalize someone for the crime of being black and homeless, and to the the level of dehumanization that occurs there, they can justify in their own mind wrongly, but they can justify any act done to them. I mean, even here we'll see heinous things done to the unhoused. People laugh about it, celebrate it, and you know. Just to add a little context to the comment that was left online about the woman who was wrongly accused of evading bus fare, she was brutalized, body slammed by the cops in front of her her toddler for being lied on by the bus driver. And so we see this, you know, disproportionate use of force towards black people, not just here in the United States, but in the UK as well, um, all across Europe. And when that sort of racism happens, it's got to be called out for what it is.
0: You're exactly right, again. Um, and this thing where You are in this difficult position, often through no fault of your own. Mm -hmm. Through no fault of your own. As you said, unhoused, it's bad enough that you're already so many people, not in your community, thank goodness, Ravana. walking over people, looking the other way, grabbing your child's hand and moving on, disgusted when someone asks you for food. For a few coins, you're disgusted. It's not enough for you to not give, which is your right, but you're disgusted. How dare they? You've worked for everything you have and this person is lazy and sloppy and dirty and they don't deserve your time or attention. That's what's going on in some people's heads. They've made up this whole story. They don't even know that could be anyone. We live in a world of one percenters And the rest of us are 99% just crumbs, crumbs, fighting over crumbs. It's devastating and um, praying for the, the soul. Frankly, of both of these individuals, because someone
2: needs help, big time. You can take a gun, shoot
3: somebody in the face, it's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie.
2: Now what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads.
3: I never. Had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. He's so scared. Stop. This is just Daniel, get out and help. I
2: oh, my God. Don't hurt him. They got him. No. There's cowboys cowboy. What the Good job. Wait, I can't. This is like. He's gonna die of fear. Oh. oh my god, I'm so sad for that cow.
0: Anything with baby in front of it, baby cow, it tugs at me, okay? I may stop eating meat, okay? This is Texas, where there's a lot of cowboys. They overtook that freeway to get a hold of that baby cow. And when you listen to the commentary of the couple, I'll call them, man and woman recording this and commenting to each other. Well, she's desperate, Rivana. She doesn't like the way the baby cow was taken down. Mm -hmm. He seems to believe it's textbook and it's the thrill of his life to see cowboys, real-life cowboys. An action here should (laughs) this baby cow be pardoned, if you will, and not not go back to be fed to get big and strong, and then, well, you know. Well, I
1: hope I, you know, as a vegetarian, I really hope that that Mm -hmm. cow isn't going to be used for meat at any point, and its precious little life. Um, You know, to to the one extent, I'm sympathetic to having to rescue that cow right it can't be on the highway it's it's in imminent danger by being on that highway so someone had to stop it um i don't know if they took the cow down too aggressively i, I i'm not a cowboy <laughs> i will say though as far as what in the red state hell goes this is one of the the least <laughs> And once I've, I've seen yet on this show. You know, I hope that cow is well taken care of and you know gets to live a long and happy life and in the proper environment and not on a highway. And I hope that whatever neglectful entity individual allowed that cow to get to that point in the first place is maybe dispossessed of that cow and it's given to someone who's going to treat it right, you know, but um. Huh. It's just nice to see a, what in the red state hell where it's not unmitigated racism or just passing bigoted laws in state legislators and you know it's just a it's just a little cow and went on a, a joyride that got
0: <laughs> got yeah.
1: cut short.
0: Maybe we should have what in the red state help like the PG version instead <laughs> of lumping, you know, because perhaps they were doing great work on behalf of the animals and that's just so cute. If this cow were running around on I-85 in Atlanta and I was on the road with my daughter well we would have a baby cow in the house right now because she would open the door and say mommy please when you're an only child it's very difficult for a mother to say no mm-hmm. so we would have that cow along with all the other Dr. little animals that are running <laughs> around here I didn't grow up like that barely <laughs> got the goldfish from the state fair but that cow would be here wow lovely Denver now, an organization gives people $1,000 a month. Can it make a difference? Yeah. Denver organization experimented with giving people up to $1,000 a month, and it reduced homelessness. It increased full-time employment. That, according to a study, money put to good use. Mark Donovan, the founder and executive director of the Denver Basic Income Project, started a social experiment in Denver where for the past few months, several hundred of the city's most vulnerable people have been given cash with no strings attached. As of January 30th, the region had 9,065 unhoused people, compared to 6,884 the year before. Hmm. This is such a basic study. Did good come of it? It seems so. The results so far, participants who were sleeping on the streets at the start of the experiment, Now with more money in their pockets, said they were feeling safer, experiencing better mental health and enjoying access to more stable and welcoming living arrangements. Insider with the reporting. Many participants reported that they have used the money to pay off debt, repair their cars, secure housing and enroll in a course. These are all paths that could eventually lead participants out of poverty and allow them to be less dependent on social support programs. Last October, more than 800 people were enrolled in the basic income plan, but they didn't all receive the same stipend. There are three groups. One receives $1,000 a month for a year. Another receives $6,500 up front, and then $500 a month from there. And another gets just $50 a month. Hmm. The guaranteed income also dramatically reduced visible homelessness. Those who received $500 a month or more had seen the biggest gains. Start fewer than ten percent said they were living in their own home or apartment. Well, at the six-month point, more than a third say they lived in their own housing. When the initiative began, some six percent of the people in the one thousand a month group said they were sleeping outside. The number fell to zero just six months later. The group that received a large lump sum similarly reported a decline from ten percent sleeping outdoors to three percent. It's significant. Not the only city where this has been tried, San Francisco. A study of 14 people receiving 500 a month. Found two-thirds of those who were homeless at the start. had found permanent housing six months later. Smaller cities such as Santa Fe, New Mexico. have also experimented with cash payments as have rural areas, including upstate New York. Philadelphia is even extending the concept to other vulnerable groups, including people who are pregnant. We hear so much, uh, Ravana, from the politicians in Washington when they're not barking at each other and doing things that have nothing to do with the people and why they were sent to work on behalf of the people. But they talk about spending and welfare and handouts and socialism and just all of this nonsense. This costs so little. And each place it was studied, the results were extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Isn't this proof that we can spend less on taxes? if We just start helping people as people.
1: And it's so fascinating because, like you said, it, it it's not very expensive. It's We'd end up spending less in the long run because, surprise, surprise, criminalizing homelessness is very, very expensive, particularly when you're con- consistently locking up the homeless, putting them in jail, and then taxpayer dollars are being spent uh, going to Private organizations that run those private prisons, uh, <laughs> as opposed to just giving people money, which absolutely directly helped them. We saw that in this study and similar studies uh, in this country. We also see it around the world, where countries that have significantly uh, lower rates of homelessness are countries that have stronger social safety nets. There are countries that you know protect people before they end up, you know, with nothing and living on the streets. And it's so sad to see, you know pregnant people included in this as you know a, a measurable amount of the homeless population because even if you're the most cruel individual who thinks that you know you get what you deserve you've suffered because you weren't economically efficient or, or you weren't a hard enough worker you're going to punish a child a baby an infant <laughs> because of your s- supposed belief of a a wrong being committed by the parent that's just cruel and unusual. And why shouldn't we uplift everybody? It's better for us. It's better for the economy. You know, it's better for our communities. And if you're someone who is always talking about how homeless people in communities make those communities less safe, um, just pushing them somewhere else doesn't solve those issues. Raising them up out of poverty is how you solve those issues that you're supposedly so concerned about and in a more cost effective way. Everyone's
0: benefiting. Yep. the My favorite part of this is the no strings attached. Mm-hmm. Okay, Because we've gotten into this thing in America where you give someone a dime and you want to take over their life, take their soul, their firstborn. You have to jump through so many hoops for just a little bit as if they created the problem. Did they create this economy? Did they create these social ills? You give them just a little bit and you make them do so much because you have to be grateful. You have to be grateful. No strings attached. And look what these dark people, unhoused people were able to do for themselves, right? What? Look what they did for themselves. You gave them a little bit and they made a lot out of it. Wow. Sounds like human resilience to me, but that's just me. Much more indisputable
2: when we come right back.
0: What if you're part of a community that's your only identity? It's who you are. It's what you were raised in. And it's all you've ever known. And then the government comes in and blasts an emergency alert test through the phone. And suddenly, you're out of here. Okay, that's what happened. An ex-Amish TikToker, an ex-Amish TikToker says the U.S. emergency alert caused several Amish to get shunned. It's a very serious thing. There are some Amish communities that use a telephone, however, they're not allowed to in the house. This, what we're about to show you represents the worst timing.
3: Guess what? Just got a couple of my Amish buddies shunned today by the Amish church. That's right, this right here. Over the years, there's been quite a few Amish men that reached out and wanted phones. So whenever they request to have a phone, I'll do everything I can to try to get them a phone. Not always can I do so, but in some circumstances, I have been able to get them a phone. Now, three of them replied back to me today and said, hey, I'm gonna have to lay low for a while. I just got shunned and I said, how'd that happen? They said, hey, that emergency alert that went off? Yeah, we had our phones on vibrate and it still went off. <laughs> the one guy said the the elders were coming in his driveway and they were there to speak with him about something that they heard about him, that he might have to get shunned. You know, They got to check up on it to see if it's true. Right when that was going on, the alert went off and he was in his pocket. Now he's getting shunned for both.
0: As I said, the worst timing. Who's to blame here, Rayvana? Because the Amish, those who were breaking the rules, perhaps, they may have a case here. I don't mean a legal case, and you can tell me, maybe. (laughs) The government has ruined their lives. The government, they had the phones on silent. The government forced itself into their homes, and now they're shunned for that.
1: Yeah. Well, first I want to say to anybody who's wondering, you know, if these Amish people want phones, why don't they just leave the community? But we talk often about how difficult it is to leave cults. We talk about it here, we talk about on the main show. Um, I I, (laughs) if you want to make that comparison to being raised in the Amish faith and the Amish lifestyle, you're being you're being asked, you're asking them. Rather to leave everything they've ever known behind uh, and leave all of the resources they've ever had. You know, they do business a lot of times within the community, potentially, you know, forego having a house, having employment, you know, any money that they might have made during this time, uh any meaningful connections they've made in their lives. So you're asking them to abandon them. That's really difficult, but you know, so people might not be willing to take that step, but might still want to be connected to the rest of the world and know what's going on and that's why a lot of these people have secret cell phones and what can I say other than it sucks it sucks for these people that they're now having to suffer because of this damn alert that went off in their phone and the tragedy of the man who was being a was being grilled about something else that he was ultimately shunned for they and heard. At- At that very moment, the alert goes off in his
0: pocket. I would say, Ravana, as we we wrap up the show today, that perhaps there should be an override. Religious Mm. reasons. This is a community that needs to be respected. And they should be able to click a box or something, these cell phone companies, where don't override. I am Amish. Okay. (laughs) And in my order, I can't have a phone you're going to get me in trouble, you're going to get mm-hmm. me in trouble. Maybe that's going too far. You tell people how they can find you. They find a lot more of you now right <laughs> here on this network, but, but share the uh, details.
1: Yeah, absolutely. First, I gonna say thanks so much for having me on. It's been wonderful as it always is. Such a joy to do the show with you. Um, but that being said, you can check out my Rebel HQ videos on Rebel HQ's YouTube channel as well as their Facebook page. Um, you can follow me for updates on Twitter at RavanaTtv, um, and you can see me filling in for John all throughout the rest of this month. And uh, I'll be on the second hour of today's power panel with Jenk and Mayor Mondale. So it'll be a really good time.
0: No, I'm going to catch that one. And you've been doing a great job on the damage report. Um, thank you. And I get lost in your, your Rebel HQ videos. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to just watch one. And then I end up, and it's two hours later. And maybe someone, little girl who won't, I don't know why she's always in my house, but she says, Mom, I'm hungry. <laughs> <you have> dinner? <laughs> Wait, I'm catching another Rayvana Rebel <laughs> HQ video. This is Indisputable. Um, thank you, Doc, for letting me fill in for you. It's always an honor. And thank you to the team. This team is just perfection. I just adore them. Um, so it's fun to just sit in the chair. Doc will be back. I'm Sharon Reed for now. This is Indisputable. We'll see you next time.